Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, and welcome to the Victor Davis Hanson Show. This is the weekend edition where we look at things a little more in depth and or historical. Today, we are going to be looking at the Republican candidates and the Democratic potential replacements for Joe Biden, but for the 2024 election with Victor. And so we hope to have lots of wisdom on that today. Before we do all that, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll be right back to talk to Victor about the upcoming elections. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're back, and I would like to remind everybody that Victor is Martin and Ely Anderson, Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution, and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey, Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor has a website, victorhanson.com, and everybody can come join us, $5 a month or $50 a year. And he is available on social media, uh, on his Twitter account at BD Hansen, and on Facebook uh, on his Morning Cup. So please join us there. There's also a group called the Victor Davis Hansen Fan Club. We don't have anything to do with them, but it's a great group of people who find all sorts of things. Be careful about that phrase. It could be interpreted <laughs> pejoratively. Would it, the fan club? We, it's not a part of the Victor Hansen website, but we have great admiration for their loyalty. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. And that is the Victor Davis Hansen fan club. So please have a look at their page and join in if you would like to, because they really do find unusual things that Victor has done in the past, especially, but also his recent stuff. All right, Victor. Yes. We have a lot on our agenda today, so I guess we should just start, and I thought we'd start on the Republican possible candidates for 2024 nomination, mm-hmm. and we can start where you'd like. I have um, a list well, of I mean, it's, people. It's cut so cut to ahead. the quick. It's Donald Trump is trying to adjudicate whether he's going to announce before the midterms or after. The advantage of announcing in late October is you strangle in the crib the candidates that think they're going to raise money if you are popular and you're sort of ahead of the curve. The advantage of after November is that you have a chance to 
interpret the the results. And while it's going to be a big Republican win, you can take credit. You want to make sure that it's a big Republican win you can take credit for. You, if it's a close margin, then they might think, well, it's directed at Trump. The main thing there is that we don't know to what degree the January 6th psychodramas have hurt Trump, not among the base or Republicans, but with a group of never re Republicans or suburbanites that might or may not return to the Republican fold. And by that, I mean, when you look at a poll that shows in New Hampshire, just an isolated poll, Ron DeSantis doing better than Trump, that reflects that group of people who agree with his agenda, but feel they're not up to another exhausting Trump presidency. Mm. And then there's the, and then the Biden age problem kind of by os osmosis filters into Trump because he would be 79. Yeah. And so that's going to be the big issue. And the only person that I can see right now that is going to raise the money and has the media attention and ha is hated by the right people is Ron DeSantis. And yeah. he's, he puts the fear of God into the left because they feel he's Trump without the without the baggage. And I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll see what these polls show and when Trump announces. If Trump announces yeah. he's going to run, I still think there's a pretty good chance that DeSantis is going to run. I think there's mm -hmm. a pretty good chance that Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, CIA Director, first in his class at West Point, is going to run. I think there's a pretty good chance that Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas, very gifted guy is going to run. And I don't know, I don't think Marco Rubio is going to, I don't think you're going to see a lot of the people in 2016 run. Yeah. I could be mistaken. I don't know if yeah. Ted Cruz will run. I don't know if Marco Rubio will run. I don't Can I ask you about Mitt Romney? I don't candidates. think he's going to run, but yeah. Cheney may. <laughs> Cheney. Wow, I hadn't thought about her. Uh, well, I don't she's, gonna, think... she's going to lose this seat in Wyoming. And yeah. then what does she do? She can become a CNN. She's going to have a lot of job offers. She's going to be a CNN anchor woman. She's going to be a PR person for Apple or Google. Is she going to go to work for Goldman Sachs? Is she going to be a head of a never Trump type Romney type foundation? She's got a lot of alternatives, but she she's got may politics do. in her family blood, and she's probably going to try to run as a third-party candidate or something like that. She would have to because I don't think any, I don't think she would get enough votes among Republicans to do anything in a presidential race. Not after what she's, the display she's putting on right now. Well, she had January a good 6th. model, and as I said earlier, our congressman here in the San Joaquin Valley, David Valdeo, made a grievous error by being one of the 10 to impeach Trump, even though he had, you know, he had voted 85% and Trump had been very favorable to our area in terms of water and things and visited here. But yeah. then when he did it and he was just wildly castigated for the first two or three months and the donor class just severed all ties with him, he, he went mute. And he would show up at political events, but he was very polite. And he kind of wrote it out. He didn't comment. He just said, that's that. It's over with. He didn't apologize, but he didn't elaborate or he didn't build on it. Right. And so when yeah. the primary came, he defeated the two pro-Trump Republican challengers in an open primary. And it looks like 
even though he's, I think our district is about plus six or seven, maybe it's higher Democrat. He's got a good chance of winning. So somebody like me who was very angry with him for doing that and didn't tell anybody that he was going to do that and felt kind of betrayed is going to vote for him. I'm going to vote yeah. for him because he's a good congressperson. He's smart. He's conservative. And compared to the alternative, he's, you know, he's wonderful compared to the alternative. So Liz Cheney's going to garner votes because no, she didn't do any of that. She didn't do any compared of that. to the alternative. Yeah. No, no. What I meant by that was I should have been more clear in finishing the comparison. That wasn't the Omega for Lynn Cheney. She didn't say, well, I voted for him 93% of the time. I'm a staunch conservative. I just don't like people in my capital. They were desecrating it and Trump didn't do enough. So I voted to impeach him. It's over with. But on the central conservative issues, it wasn't an insurrection. I mean, they didn't arrest anybody with a weapon in there. There were issues about FBI informants. There were issues about security communications. There was issues about Ashley Babbitt. There was media misreporting. So let's move on. But no, that was her alpha. She saw that as a chance to say that I'm the guardian of the Constitution and this is a, an existential crisis in a way that she hadn't said that about the 120 days of burning or the breakout of Lafayette Park or the torching of the St. John's Episcopal Church or the effort to flood into the White House ground that sent Trump into the bunker or the, the burning of a federal courthouse. In Port she hadn't weighed in on all that. Yeah, I know. And so that's what she did. She didn't do the Valdeo method. And the result was he is going to be reelected to Congress and she's not. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just wonder that she would even think of running. I just don't see well, any way got, she would she, garner she, support. She got elected overwhelmingly. The Cheney name is a, in conservative Wyoming is invaluable. Yeah. But she's she has a big she was going to run for uh, Senate against a, an incumbent. Oh, I think it was four years ago. It was wildly inadvisable, and she backed out. There's an ambition there that is confined by the fact that Wyoming has one congressional seat and two senators, and usually the senators in Wyoming are beloved, and they stay there 30 years, mm -hmm. and they come from families that are well-known. And so she was more of a Washington fixture, and she grew up in Washington. And yeah. so she's going to... She's going to have to find a political outlet for all of this activism and what her constituency is. Right now, her constituents are the bulwark readers, the dispatch readers, the never Trump 10% of the Republican Party, and wealthy Democrats who find her useful and of some utility temporarily. But yeah. when she, you know, weighed in in support of Roe versus Wade and all that, she can't completely change her spots. No, she can't. So, so she, she doesn't have a constituency. Yeah. Can I ask you then about some of the other ones that yes. I had that I was looking at? What about Mike Pence? Would he? Mike Pence. I've always liked Mike Pence. He was very loyal to Trump. He was workmanlike. He didn't have a lot of charisma, but he, he did very well in the debate with Kamala Harris. I think he beat her very easily. He tried to go down the line, and he was aware of voting irregularities, but at a critical point, he was not going to reject the electors. Yeah. And I think that was wise that he didn't. Yeah. And he's not—so he got the full wrath of Trump. 
And he was kind of, you know, not passive, but he, he didn't reply in kind to Trump's attacks. But he doesn't have a political future because he didn't have a political future before that. He was a governor that was mildly popular, but he was not going anywhere. He was a solid uh, workmanlike, dependable congressional representative, but he wasn't he wasn't going to, you know, ascend. And now that he's vice president, he's obviously we look at vice presidents, or do we? I mean, after did we really look at Dick Cheney was not going to be president? And I don't think you could argue that Dan Quayle was going to be president. And so to be president, you have to be young and well-connected and raise money and have a lot of experience. And that was George H.W. Bush at the time that was for Reagan. So I don't see Pence at that stage of his life on the upward ascendance, but I could be wrong. I don't think he's going to be a comparative, but there is going to be somebody that plays the torpedo or the missile run amok Chris Christie role. It, remember how Chris Christie destroyed Marco Rubio on the stage yeah. where he said, oh, all you do is repeat that again and again. Well, somebody's going to volunteer for a high cabinet post to try to get on the debate stage or in a Twitter war or something with Donald Trump to bring it to, you know, make him melt down. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. So probably not Mike Pence, though. No, I think well, I could I don't see know. him do it. Maybe Ted know. Cruz. That was my I next guy so. to Ted ask Cruz about. Ted Cruz has been a beneficiary of a lot of Trump goodwill. And they've yeah. buried that. I don't think Ted Cruz is going to run this time. He's still young. Yeah, he we'll is. See. And he's got, yeah. he had a tough Senate race. And I think that kind of sobered him. Yeah. And that he's got to work a little bit more in the base in Texas. And He's a very good candidate, but I don't think he's going to run, but I may be mistaken. Mm, what about Nikki Haley? She's very charismatic. She's got executive experience at the federal level. She was a governor. The problem that she has is, whether it's warranted or not, she has a reputation for expediency. In other words, she will criticize Trump when she thinks 51% of the the electorate, or they, I should say the Republican electorate, wants him criticized, and she won't when, she, when that's not true. So there's sort of a finger-in-the-wind reputation. I don't know how well it's warranted, but there's yeah. going to be women involved in this, this race, and she's going to be one of them. But I don't yeah. know. I think she'll appeal to sort of the George W. Bush constituency. Yeah. Uh, you know, the solid Republicans that want a little edge and a little younger, a feisty fighter, but essentially will be corporate protectors and won't be on the MAGA agenda fully. Yeah. How about Christy Nome? Well, she's her only, you know, her only disadvantage is she's from the small South Dakota. So uh, it's kind of the McGovern, you know. It doesn't the, bring a lot of votes. She doesn't uh, it doesn't have any electoral votes, and then it doesn't have any made, major media markets. It doesn't have any big cities, and she's very charismatic. She's she, once in a while she gets in trouble when she gets to the national stage on that transgender issue, but more or less she's very good. She's I think she's going to run for vice president. And that's what, by that I mean candidates that know they can't win 
get up on the stage and perform very, very well, and they're very careful not to attack in personal terms the the the, the, the leaders, you know, that are pulling yeah. the best. And then for various considerations, electoral or gender or race or whatever it is, then they're considered as vice presidential possibilities. I think that's what she's looking at. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hadn't, you said Tom Cotton and I hadn't thought of him. What makes you think Tom Cotton well, he's, might run? He's for... probably, he and Pom, Mike Pompeo have the most foreign policy experience. They have distinguished records in the military. They both write well, they speak well, they're very knowledgeable. You put Mike Pompeo in a debate or Tom Cotton, they're going to win. There's yeah. nobody that's more knowledgeable. And they're not going to say something stupid. They're very careful in their speech, but they're very conservative and they don't yeah. back down their fighters. So they're but similar in very in a lot of ways. And they're both kind of not very charismatic. Yeah, you, know. you can make that argument. Uh, Tom Cotton, you know, and Mike Pompeo maybe are not as charismatic. So they remind me kind of a, a, a Dwight Eisenhower like character, but they don't have that. I mean, they they have a distinguished record, but they're not famous as a savior of Europe, as Eisenhower yeah. was. So they don't they don't have any counter uh, countervailing assets uh, of fame. You know what I'm saying? They're not yeah. a famous general, or they're not a, a, a Trump media star, or something like that. They're yeah. just they've just done a very good job at everything they've been assigned or they've run for. Yeah, the fact that they're not media stars or charismatic should actually recommend them to us, but it's I very hard so. to... <laughs> I, I like both of them. I met both of them. I've talked to both of them. I have the highest regard for both of them. Yeah. I think what, they're, they're very good. Yeah. What do you think about Ron DeSantis? What well, I mean, should we think? Yeah. I don't know him. I haven't met him. I think I've met him. I don't know if you remember, but in a couple of lunches with some house members. Well, I mean, you look at his what is he lacking on his resume? He's got the Ivy League schools. He's got the perfect education. He was an athlete. He was in a combat zone. He was in the military. He has executive experience. He was a congressperson. So, and he's young. He's like, what is he, 43? Yeah. There's a wife who's very ill, but I think hopefully she's recovering. And the question is, does he do it now and get in a big fight with Trump? Or does he wait until he's in his 50s? He adopted the MAGA agenda. The little problem he has for some politicians is that when he ran against, you'll have to tell me the man who ended up naked in the room with another man. <laughs> I remember him. Oh, yeah, I he, he's, remember an, he's under indictment now. Um, yeah. And so anyway, that was a very close uh, race. It's almost impossible to believe now that it was because that guy is not only a crook, but he was, I don't know what the word would be. I mean, he was using drugs and he was buck naked in a room. Was that with, that Andrew Gillum? Yes, that was his name. <laughs> it was Trump that pushed him over the Trump endorsement. That's what I'm yeah. getting at. So he has some loyalty, but he would, he said what everybody's talking about. The left cannot stand him because when he looked at his chances, he said, I have a resume that is perfect to be president, and I'm a strong adherent of the Trump agenda. I'm going to be a nationalist populist party. I'm in a multicultural racial state. I have a lot of Hispanic support. 
in Florida. I've changed by my policies, Florida, from a purple to a red state with the help of arrivals from you know, California and New York that I don't think are going to go left so much. And, uh, you know, he's Harvard Law School. So in a lot of people's ways of thinking, he's the perfect candidate. All he had to prove, though, was that he was a fighter, that he wasn't a Mitt Romney, John McCain type, that he would fight for that agenda. So he took on the transgendered issue. He took on Disney. He took on the critical race theory. And that was to show people that he is Trumpian in agenda and in character and human and nature, but he's not Trumpian in calling people names. And so that would might get a little larger slice of the of the electorate. So I, I think that's the big question is uh, will he run and what would he have to do to beat Trump? To what degree would he have to attack Trump? And to what degree would that allow him to if he were to win, to get the Trump base back out. The left seems to hate him now. They feel that the January 6th has kind of neutered Trump for a while, and they've turned their attention to him because he's getting so much publicity, and he's making Florida run like a clock. Everybody wants to go to the what they call now the free state of Florida. And uh, so, you know, he, there's nothing there's nothing you can find in his record or his Anything that he's done wrong is perfect. I think a lot of people feel he's not really charismatic. His voice or his dynamism isn't quite up to other famous, you know, to a Bill Clinton or Obama or a Trump. But uh, that's not, you know, that we've had great presidents that weren't like that. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I think his populist appeal and his discipline and his impeccable you know like you say his past at least impeccable and the he's terms impeccable. That it, i mean he was yeah i think those will overcome strong catholic and he's family and he's he does everything right and he's not scared of anybody and he's he pushes back yeah and uh you know he was going to run i think against marco rubio in 2016 which is kind of funny if you look at the fates of the two, that Rubio was the darling of the never Trump and the regular mainstream Republican. And he was, I thought he was going to be nominated at one point in 2016. But again, Chris Christie kind of had that one moment where quite cruelly he just turned on him and he said that, you know, you're, you're just up here as an automaton with rote talk. And that really hurt him. Yeah. And then the media turned that, I have to have a drink of water answer to a State of the Union Obama address into a character flaw. Yeah. And they really they really damaged him and his his wife had all these so there were he took a lot of hits and then he's kind of veered to the right now and he's in the MAGA camp. So I don't know what his future will be. I've seen him speak and I mean I've heard okay. him speak and I've seen it been at places where he spoke and he's much better than he was uh five years ago much better as he ages yeah. so he probably he could be an effective candidate if he runs okay victor let's go ahead and take a break and listen to a few messages and then come right back and look at the democratic oh alternatives to joe biden <laughs> we turned we'll to 2016 right we'll be right back Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Welcome back. Yes, this is an interesting question. How are they going to replace Joe Biden as we are predicting they're going to want to do? So I know that I feel like we should just not worry about Kamala Harris because I just don't think that she's going to be the one they look at, but I could be wrong. What do you think about Kamala? And then we'll go to all the other ones that are possibilities. Well, I mean, she'd never been in a situation where people got to know her because Willie Brown had shepherded her, her paramour had shepherded her through city county attorney, put her on boards. And then she was prepped for the Senate and she just had campaign speeches and nobody knew her. They just knew that she had sort of a nice exotic name, that she was uh, diverse, African-American, Indian-American. She had good education. Her parents were PhDs. And so she, for the left, she was just like, you know, another Susan Rice. And they thought she would, she would perform like that. But then once she was out on the campaign trail, she didn't get one delegate. Once people saw her in New Hampshire and, you know, in Iowa, there was nothing there. She was an empty pantsuit. And she really was. She had a very limited vocabulary. She's repetitive. She has no ideas. And she's got a terrible temper. Nobody likes to work for her. So she, she's inert. She's, I would say she's like Dan Quayle, but that's not fair to Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle had admirable quality. She she doesn't, yeah. and she's she's of limited talent and limited ability, and that comes through. Yeah. So she has to run because she's young and she's vice president. I don't know where she's going to get the team or the prep, but when you look at her and when she starts talking, she gets off the teleprompter. It's just circular, you know, just circular. And, and we're going to address this because it's a very important thing that we're going to address because it's really important. And we address really important things. And you know, okay. the border is critical. We're going to address the border. We're going to be preemptive and we're going to look at the border and we're going to be preemptive and we're going to really look at that. that's how she talks. Yeah. OK, well, let's leave it there. I'll be surprised if the Democrats do anything with her in the coming 2024. Let's turn then to how about the Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock, well, who, was, who had humble beginnings and was a pastor as well? Is, is he a strong candidate? Yeah. He's a socialist that's in Georgia, and he's there because Donald Trump did not go down to Georgia 
and campaign. And I mean, he was almost eliminated in the primary and Purdue almost won, you know, in the primary. So he was not a viable candidate until the election and Trump lost. And then Trump was occupied with challenging the methodology of the voting and he should have gone down there. And when he did kind of go down there, he gave two messages. One, that if you're a true blue Trump supporter, you can't trust the electorate. I mean, the uh, the registrars, because they won't fairly count the votes. And so there were thousands of people who said, well, Trump said I shouldn't vote because it won't matter. And then the continued negative media and Trump's reply back to it turned off the suburban swing female voter that had voted for Trump in 2016. So those two constituencies either voted a Democratic ticket or didn't show up to vote. And that's how he got in. And once a yeah. senator gets in, it's very hard to remove him because they've got huge budgets, they've got staff, they get money, they go around the state and say, you know what, you want business done, you're going to have to work and donate to me. So that's where he is. Herschel Walker yeah. is, you know, he's very conservative. He just hasn't held office before. He's not nearly as malevolent is more not, but he's more genuine and more authentic. And he's got yeah. the advantage that he's got one task, Sammy. All he's got to do is say, this guy represents what you don't like Biden has done. This guy is to the left of Biden. You don't like the border. This guy likes the border. You don't like inflation. This guy believes in modern monetary theory stuff. You don't like racial disharmony. This guy promulgates it. You don't like paying $6 a gallon, five, this guy believes that's necessary. And if he can do that, he'll win. And they're, they're going to go after uh, his, you know, illegitimate children or Herschel Walker's this, and or he doesn't speak well, et cetera, et cetera. But you'll see another thing that's it's kind of a phenomenon. The left, uh, when they get into questions of, I have to be very careful, but when there are African-American conservatives, they start to reveal their true colors. They start making fun of the way that people speak, and they feel that a liberal African-American speaks like Warnock or Obama or Eric Holder, and a conservative speaks more of a colloquial patois. And so they make yeah. fun of that, and they make fun of in a, in a weird way that they're limited. They do that with Clarence Thomas. I think Clarence Thomas has pointed yeah. out before that darker skinned African-Americans tend to be more on the butt end of criticism from wealthy, elite, white liberals. And there's something to that. Yeah. And so we'll see. But there's some other there's issues yeah. involved in that race that will can't be spoken, but they're going to be there. And a lot of it's going to be left wing, very wealthy, white elites who are almost going to resort to racial caricatures the way that they do with Clarence Thomas. Yeah, that's the senatorial race. And I, and so I know Warnock's going to be I don't think, um, I don't, up against Herschel Yeah, I think, he, yeah, I think you brought Walker. it. Yeah, and I don't think he's going to be a serious presidential candidate because I think okay. he's going to lose. Yeah. Okay. And how about Gretchen Whitmer, the Michigan governor? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, he was almost kidnapped by a dark group of crazy militiamen that were, have all either had their trials thrown out and are going to have to go up on trial, or there were more FBI informants planning her kidnapping than, than the actual kidnappers. 
she's going nowhere. She's a mean-spirited person. She's turned off everybody. So let's just skip over her. She's not going to be a serious Um, candidate. uh, Vice president, anybody would be insane to... To even have her as a vice president? Okay, okay. How about the Colorado governor, Jared Polis? Well, I mean, he... I think I'm thinking of the right guy. He's a, he pushes a lot of the buttons. He's a gay guy, but he's also a nice guy. And he's, he's so they, they like that he's not a, you know, a typical white male straight candidate. He has a diversity element is what I'm clumsily trying to say. He has a He's also experience. not a, a typical it, Democrat that's either. What we're told, he's been part of the Liberty Caucus. Yeah, I, I'm very skeptical about that. When you look at the actual record and the positions he holds, he's pretty, he's pretty left. But he's better than the than most of the other Democratic alternatives. But he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Okay. And then next to him is the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. <laughs> I just wrote an article <laughs> about him. When he about. <laughs> We, we live in the most unfree state in the country. You can't go to San Francisco without walking on needles. You can't drive the 99 between, I don't know, Visalia and Delano without getting a wreck or the 101, you know, south of Gilroy. It's a decrepit thing. LAX is a, is a nightmare. We haven't built a reservoir in 40 years. We're having brownouts. Stanford University lost power twice, shut down. Uh, we're in a drought. He is a perpetual. He perpetuates the let the dead trees from the drought and beetles just rot naturally, and they have nice fodder for bugs and birds, and then they and they burn. And we have yeah. these terrible fires that leave that release more carbon emissions in a year of cars. And we have <laughs> one right now it's threatening Mariposa Grove and Yosemite. It's an annual thing. And the idea that yeah. you would get a timber company and you would say, you know what, you got to go in there within two years and get that valuable Douglas fir stuff, go get it. You can't seem to do that. Yeah. So I can't think of one thing he's done other he's than got- say, say that he was going to give illegal aliens $500 million for COVID relief or $400 for every motorist who makes less than $300,000. I mean, I drive down I-5 near the Monterey Shale, you know, find, and we're never going to tap that. We probably have a couple billion barrels of oil there. Can't frack it. This is about, this state has about the fifth largest oil and natural gas reserves in the country. He's not going to touch that. We don't have a timber industry. We, our agriculture is on the ropes because he insists on allowing water to go out the San Joaquin and, and Sacramento River systems out to the ocean in wet years, and we don't have anywhere to store, which we could use right now. And so yeah. there's nothing redeeming. So, you know, he's we pay 13.1 in the top brackets in California. We have the highest gas taxes. If you look at the local sales tax add-on, we're about fourth in the country on sales tax. I think we're second in kilowatt prices where we have the highest gas prices. And our property taxes are only because of Prop 13 that was supposedly limited 1%. But when you add on local special exemptions, it can be up to 2%. And they, you can pay $1,000 a square foot for a home in California. So our property taxes are exorbitant. And then you say, okay, but you live in California, so you get what from it? You get good weather, but now you get wildfires and smoke. 
and high crime and homelessness. And what do you get in schools? We're rated in the bottom 10th of, of the nation in schools, or eighth grade and high school test scores. Well, you get infrastructure. No, you don't. It's rated about 46th in the nation, 47th in the nation. Will you get safe streets? No, you don't. San Francisco has the highest property per capita crime rate in the United States. So what do you get for all that taxation? Well, what you get is about 8 million people the last 30 years have fled and taken about $25 billion. And so we have no conservative, traditional Republican middle class left. So we have a one-party state that he rules over with super majorities in the state Senate and Assembly, with no statewide officer who is a Republican. Maybe Lonnie Chan was running for controller. My colleague at Hoover has a chance. I don't know. I hope he does. And then you have only, I think there's 53 congressional districts, and we only have 11, and that's up from seven Republicans. So you brought in all, you know, $6 trillion worth of capital and all this money along the coast and all these yuppies suburbanites that are very left-wing, and then the middle class left, and then we had this huge 40% of the states is Mexican-American mostly. And that's the big issue, isn't it? Because a lot of them have had it with Gavin Newsom, and they've had it with Joe Biden, and they understand he's destroying their livelihood right before their eyes. They can't afford to drive. They can't afford to buy a two-by-four. They can't afford to buy cement. They can't afford to turn on their air conditioning. And they don't want to hear about gay marriage and transgenderism and the New Green Deal and all that stuff. Yeah. Ab- abortion in the ninth trimester and all that stuff. I mean, in ninth month, third trimester or partial. They don't want to hear it. They want to hear what he's going to do. So We'll see. But my point is that his record in California is an utter disaster. And then he he sounds like a mafioso with that gravelly voice. And then he doesn't know anything. Like when it was when Hillary said that this was a never let a crisis go to race, the, the, the COVID lockdown. And he chirped in, well, we're going to have a more progressive capitalism when we come out of that. I think what is more progressive capital? You're going to pay your property tax on time. Is that what you're going to do? Like everybody else, that's progressive. Yeah. What does more progressive capitalism mean? That means maybe that, I don't know, that Barbara Boxer doesn't work any longer for China, that Dianne Feinstein's late husband wasn't a big billionaire from Chinese income, or she didn't hire a Chinese spy for her chauffeur. Is that what she means? Or Nancy Pelosi says, I'm going to have a more progressive capitalism. I'm going to do what Dianne did when she sold her Lake Tahoe estate. I'm going to sell my Napa estate. And just live in my San Francisco estate, or Jerry Brown can say, you know, I'm going to get rid of a thousand acres of my Grass Valley property by 2,500. Or the Obamas will visit. We're going to give up that 2,500 gallons of propane tanks in Martha's Vineyard. That's what I'm getting at. So yeah. I don't think we can take him seriously. Uh, you know, yeah. he's just, says, you know, he's just, it's a joke. I, I wrote this column and I ended up saying, he's like the guy with a service station that had the Shell or Chevron name, you know, and it was, it was just an automatic clientele. That's what California was. It's so beautiful. It's got a, you know this long coast and Yosemite and everything. Mountains, Sierras, beautiful state, beautiful institutions, beautiful heritage, wonderful governance up to about nineteen, you know, eighty, and he destroyed it. 
And so this is a guy with a service station that destroyed it. It's crappy. It's all torn up. His gas is really high. It's bad. It's watered down. And everybody who drives by turns the other way to a, another service station, the Florida service station. It's clean. It's cheaper. It's got better products. It's well run. And then he gets on top of his service station and says, hey, everybody, don't go over there. Come here. It's free. <laughs> it's a free state. <laughs> The free station, that's what he's doing. I mean, that doesn't work, does it? People vote with their feet. And Florida can't handle the number of Californians that are arriving. And he says, come to California. No, a million have left in the last two years. $20 billion in capital have left. They're all going to Austin or, you know, Miami or something. They're not going to Silicon Valley. They're not they're not moving into San Francisco since San Francisco's got a lot of vacant office space. Yeah. So he's a, but he's just a product of that. Oh, milieu. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, look, look, Gavin, look. Gavin Newsom looks like one of the ones that are at least out front right now. That's what's bothering me. And he did um, survive a recall where Gray Davis did not re- survive. You it know, was very and was, late and oh. was poorly planned. And he mm. had, and Gray Davis was recalled when there was a Republican Party. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. There was still, a, there is no Republican Party in California. But there wasn't as many failures of the state under Gray Davis. No, and yet it was just, he, it was, he was recalled because he doubled car registration. His car registration would be cheap now. Mm. But people were angry. And it was starting to, these problems that we're talking about were starting to happen. But, California will never be saved unless you break up and utterly reject politically, culturally, socially this nexus between the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, Berkeley and Stanford, $6 trillion in market capitalization, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Uber, all of that stuff. And that produces a one-dimensional, non-diverse and at one point, you could argue that some of the most powerful people in the United States was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senior Intelligence Chair on the committee, uh, Dianne Feinstein and Jerry Brown and then Gavin Newsom, the mayor, Barbara Boxer, the other center. They lived about 50 miles from each other. And they all were wealthy. And they were all wealthy white people that were liberal, and they all either inherited a ton of money or married into a ton of money. And we were supposed to be impressed because they mouthed these diversity shibboleths and platitudes. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I thought these are the most undiverse people in the world. They're not geographically diverse. They're not economically diverse. They're not racially diverse. They're not ideologically diverse. They're part of this little old club in in the Bay Area. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on Gavin Newsom and his failed policies in California should exclude him from the rate, you know, a run for president. He will exclude himself. But they did get a noxious person in a basement (laughs) elected to the presidency. So I'm not sure that the Democrats would be, you know, phased. I mean, he looks good visually and everything else. That's okay. They can cover that up, you know? So, well, well, we'll see. I agree with you. I, I wouldn't expect him to be a candidate, but we never know. How about governor JB Pritzker? <laughs> You're in Illinois, so it means that you're 
you're governor of Chicago, right? Chicago mm-hmm. is a multi-million person hemorrhaging catastrophe, a Lori Lightfield catastrophe. There was a reason why Barack Obama got three estates and never wants to go back to his community organizing home in his little mansion. He will never go back. It's a dysfunctional city, and it 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 characterizes that whole state. I don't think that anybody who's governor of Illinois is going to go anywhere okay. until as long as that city is there. It's murder capital of the United States. Some it's, it's dangerous. It was a beautiful city. It was when I was in college. It was called the Can-Do City. It was always juxtaposed to New York. They always said Chicago got the snow off the street. The Daily Clan may be corrupt, but the, it's an efficient, well-run, clean, growing city. Unlike New York, that's what people said, or unlike Baltimore or Washington. But now it is at the nadir. And what does he have going for him? He has a hotel fortune. That's it. Yeah. And he needs a. You, I mean, he needs to lose a few pounds, too, to be frank. So, um, okay, so you have wiped off the the list of possible candidates. Everybody I could come up with, did you have any ideas on who might be the Democratic alternative to Biden? Well, Where I are don't. they going to go? Where I, are they going to go? I don't. That's why I think they're in they're in big trouble because they don't have a governor or they don't have a senator that has any national prominence. And if you don't believe me, just go back and review and recall the 2016 primary where we had how many of them? 17 of them out there, 15 of them. You could argue that when Trump won, he defeated people with extraordinary popularity and records. I mean, Scott Walker and Cruz and Rubio and there were a lot of people there that that had been around Kasich. Or all the, but when you looked at that field, Castro or Spartacus or Elizabeth, it was just turned off the whole Democratic electorate. Yeah. And so that's how Joe Biden got president, was that they had nobody except, you know, Joe Biden. And his the great thing about him is he had an empty head and they could put things into it and say, carry us across the finish line. That's what he did. So now he did it, and now if he had have had any courage, he would have picked a articulate, young, fairly unknown person from a large state. Who that would be, I don't know. But he would have groomed them as vice president. They would be all over. They would be going to every funeral. They would be in all over the, the world right now. That's what good vice presidents do. And they would be honing their rhetorical skills or political savvy, building a team. But that's not going to happen. Kamala no. Harris, is, as I said, she bleeds teams. The teams yeah. that she has are bleeding. They're just leaving. Nobody yeah. wants to be around her. She can't finish a sentence. She don't, she knows nothing. She's never, I don't think she'd been to Europe before. Yeah. So that's what he did. And maybe he did that. And, uh, you know, as soon as I say that, one of our brilliant people out there listening, and all of you guys are, you're going to say to me, Victor, what the hell's wrong with you? That's the point, idiot. Victor, he knew that he was non-compos mentes. He surveyed the landscape. He's looked at this candidate. He knew that she was inarticulate. He knew that she was incompetent. It was the Agnew factor. He deliberately picked someone that he would never be impeached because the alternative was worse than him being insane or unhinged, and that's what he did. That's a good. That's a, a viable yeah. thesis, you know, that he he didn't want anybody that could be president as vice president. So that's what keeps him from being 
believe me, Sammy, right now, if you had a very, very, if, if you had a charismatic person like Obama that was glib, even Pete Buttigieg, as bad as he's been, if he was right now vice president, they would get rid of Biden. They would find a way. They have ways of doing it. They would get rid of him on the 25th Amendment, or they would put so much pressure on him that he would have an incident or something and resign. But they're not going to do it with her. Yeah. Okay. All right, Victor, let's go ahead and take our last break here for a few messages and come right back. And we'll talk about the Senate races in 2022 that might be up for play. We'll be right back. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. We're back. And so we've got a few retiring senators, the retiring Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania. I think that's the seat that's probably the most uncertain which way it will go. You have that Dr. Oz on one side and then as the Republican candidate and Fetterman as the Democratic candidate. How do you think that's going to go? I think Oz is going to win. He was probably the most viable candidate for all of his limitations. And his opponent has got some health issues that he hasn't been candid about. I had been long COVID. I understand if I was running right now and I had, I feel like I do now, I would be hiring, I guess, Hollywood celebrities at 500 bucks to make commercials for me. I think that's what he's Fetterman's doing. Yeah. So you can't, you can't run a campaign when you don't feel well. Yeah. And so I think Oz will win that. Well, okay. Well, I hope you're right on that. You've already talked a little bit about the Georgia senatorial race between Warnock and Herschel Walker. Do you have any prediction on who might win that? Yeah, I think I think Walker will pull it out. Okay. Because I think the news cycle is going to get worse from now on. Yeah. When they say gas went, wow, it went down from five dollars to four eighty. What does that mean? I mean, that's that's what they talk about. Yeah, so, it doesn't mean much to somebody who's no. making. So you know, I t- anyway, I think that uh, Pennsylvania is very important because it's such a big state and it's and it's important. But uh, you know, when he in the primary, I don't know what it was. Almost fifty percent of people didn't like Oz. He was kind of they felt that he was slimy. He had kind of complicated relationship with Turkey. And yeah. people, and he had, you know, he came from New Jersey and all of that. But now that he's won, he barely won. Um, McCormick really did him a lot of damage in the uh, primary, but I think he will win because I think Fetterman is not going to be a viable candidate. Yeah. All right. How about um, North Carolina has a retiring senator as well, Richard Burr, and the races between it appears Ted Budd, who's the Republican in. Sherry Beasley, who's the Democrat, the Ted Budd sounds like he's probably more well known. I'm not sure about that. You know, he's I think he's going to win that race. And he's kind of a one thing to remember is that the people who are running 
for the retiring Republicans. If they win, it's going to be a lot more more conservative Senate in general and more con- conservative Republican caucus in, in particular. You know, Richard Burr, I mean, the way he handled the Senate investigation of collusion was a joke. Anyway, I think that Bud will be, I don't know, he, I think he'll be a lot more conservative. And I think he can win. Yeah. I mean, after all, it's, I mean, North Carolina is a purple state. But I think he's going to win. Yeah, it's going to be very hard for people to run when your president's polling below thirty yeah. percent. Because what do you do when he comes in your state? You regret you had a scheduling conflict. That's what you all you can say because you put him out there and people see him and they think I don't like that guy. And I, if I don't like that guy, I don't like the guy next to him. And why are you thinking you're part of that guy? You're part of that happened. Yeah. Remember in George Bush with Iraq. He was a very. He was one of the most popular presidents. Ninety three percent after nine eleven, and then when he gave that megaphone, he said the whole world's going to hear for it. He was up just outstanding. And then the first three weeks of the Iraq War, when the statue fell, he was an eighty five percent. And then the media went after him, and then the war went south, and the insurrections. And by two thousand six midterms, he was polling, you know, thirty percent, and no one wanted to be with him, and they got wiped out in the house. Yeah. And that's going to happen to these people. They 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 can deny it all they want. They write these silly little articles. It's not going to be this bad. They always write that, Republican or Democrat. It's going to be bad. <laughs> okay. How about the Nevada senatorial race between Catherine Cortez yeah. Masto and Adam Laxalt? Adam Laxalt, uh, you know, he's got a illustrious, I guess that was his uncle or great uncle, Paul Laxalt, Reagan's chum. But uh, he's attorney general, and he's very, very conservative, and he's a lot more savvy than most candidates. I've talked to him on the phone a couple of times, and I think he's going to Cortez Masto has, a, you know, she was a Hispanic candidate. But when you have Hispanics that are turned off at the Democratic Party, I don't know, maybe they can get like Harry Reid's not around anymore. So you don't really I don't know if the SEIU buses still work like they used to. But I, I have a feeling that he can have an upset win. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are the. Uh, How about really Arizona? I think. Ar- uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Blake yeah, Masters, uh, Peter Till's favorite candidate. I think he's going to win. I think he's he's going to defeat Mark Kelly. He was third. He was like J.D. Vance in Ohio. They were not running well. And because they didn't have a lot of name recognition or the name recognition they did was clouded and they just kept they're both very well spoken they're very smart people and they were well funded by peter till and others and jd vance is going to win i think in ohio i hope he does and i think blake masters is going to beat mark kelly yeah i think he really is and i think in in wisconsin ron johnson's going to get reelected. i don't know about maggie i said her name hassan in new hampshire yeah but uh those are all Wait, house, Marco Rubio right? is going to yeah. win. Yeah. Everybody says he's going to lose at this Val Demings, but she's very, very, uh, she'll, she'll win the nomination in August, but she'll lose to yeah. Marco Rubio. And I think that guy that ran for president, I'm trying to remember his name in uh, Colorado. Is it Bennett? Uh, Bennett? Michael Bennett? Mm-hmm. He's going to lose too. I think he's the third. So I have a feeling that those eight or 10 races, that were toss-ups that the Republicans have a good chance to take eight or all of them. I really do. Yeah. I don't think the left knows how bad it is. I think they're still 
you know, in denial. They don't understand that when you see Joe Biden talking as he does or Kamala Harris or you see inflation or you see the border, you just turn on the TV and you look at that border and people see, they say, why are these 10,000 people just crossing into my country uninvited, breaking my laws, bringing in drugs? Why? Or when they look at, they get to that gas pump. I was in Palo Alto of all places and a very upscale woman in a Mercedes, it was probably, a, she looked at me and she said, this is awful, isn't it? And I said, well, I'm from the Fresno area and it's 640. So it's almost the same there. And it's bad everywhere. So people are getting very, very angry. They accept that, you know, they're getting angry now about gas and inflation. And so, and it hasn't peaked yet. So everything in a, in a volatile situation like this, everything is up for grabs. All yeah. the conventional wisdom is suspect. Yeah, You don't know what, everything that's up is down. Everything that's down is up. There's no reference that can be counted on. And that's Avoid, Trump, Trump won. Yeah, from, from what you said here, it would be four senator advantage, actually, but two senators, 52 to 48. I'm not Senate. worried about them taking the Senate and the House. I'm worried about what they're going to do when they get it yeah, and how they're going to herd all those people in to focus, concentrate. I don't want it to end up like Benghazi, where mm -hmm. they had a legitimate case. They had a good guy like Trey Gowdy, and it turned into the left-wing media eviscerated them, and it didn't work, and Hillary kind of melted down. They had a, a golden opportunity to find out what was really going on in Benghazi, why would, we didn't reinforce those embassies, why we didn't get help in there, what was the relationship between Benghazi and the re-election efforts of Obama, and they blew it. And so if they're going to investigate Hunter Biden, January 6th fully, May 31st, 2020, the corruption and if they're going to call in Comey and McCabe, they're going to call in all those people, call in and look at the military. They're going to do all of that stuff. They better do it competently and efficiently yeah. and not turn it into a circus or not do it at all. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, Victor, time is up. Thank you very much well, for you. your reflections on the potential Republicans and Democrats for 2024 and the Senate races coming up in 2022. We appreciate, once again, as always, all your wisdom, and we thank our listeners for listening. Well, thank everybody for listening as well. All right. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hanson. We're signing off.